Attention, independent pet pros. Let me introduce you to the Pet Shop Girls, presented by Pet Product News. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Sherry. And I am Carly. And we are going to talk today about breaking up with bad apples. What does that mean to you, Sherry? Ah, you know how you keep certain product in your store for too long? That can apply to staff members too. You get stuck in a rut, you let things go, you don't address things, and then it all blows up in your face. Yep, yep. And sometimes these bad apples need to be removed because it is true what they say, that a bad apple can truly spoil the bunch. And oftentimes when we have bad apples on our team, we don't see the potential or how much the rest of our team can shine because we've got a bad apple that is spoiling the entire bunch. I will admit that I had a bad apple and I didn't realize until that bad apple was plucked from the bunch that bad apple was a cancer in my business. There were so many yellow flags, and you and I have talked about this, Sherry, the yellow flags that we know something isn't sitting right in our gut. We don't trust our gut. We ignore that. And inevitably, those yellow flags will turn into red flags. Yes. And that happened for me real bad in 2023. I think we, we both went through the same things. And in my situation, like I, I saw the yellow flags, but like, I, I, like I said, I got caught up in the daily grind and I would make excuses for what was being missed and I would just go on. But the, the problem is those things that were being missed are just going to snowball on themselves and get worse if you don't address it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I totally agree that Once the bad apple was removed, others on the staff were able to flourish and grow. It's like they they were being stifled before. Yeah. It's amazing the dynamics that can happen when you get rid of the bad apple. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like when I say that uh, I had a particular individual that was truly a cancer in my business, I didn't realize all of the bad seeds that she was planting throughout my entire organization. And when she left and I saw the forest for the trees, if you will, I realized that a lot of the things that were happening were meticulous on her part. And the stories that I was getting with regards to what was and wasn't being done in my store and who was doing it and who wasn't doing it, I learned after the fact that this was all just a fabrication in her imagination. And that's a nice way of saying lies. (laughs) They were all lies. But there were yellow flags. There were yellow flags that I, again, things that were happening, conversations that did occur, but not maybe to the depth that they should have. I was uncomfortable to have those conversations. And I was putting my uncomfortableness, is that a word? It's going to be now. My uncomfortableness, I was putting that ahead of the health of my business. And I was allowing a bad apple to continue to have more and more worms that were starting to make the rest of my apples bad. And 
not bad. I shouldn't say it was spoiling the bunch. My other apples weren't bad, but my other apples were planning on leaving because of this apple. And I didn't know that. So those conversations need to happen. When you get into business with somebody, whether they work with you, for you, whether they're your partner, you have to be able to have those same conversations that a married couple would have. When you're in business with somebody, it is a relationship very similar to a marriage. And you have to be comfortable enough to have those uncomfortable conversations, even when you don't want to. I'm going to jump in here because yes, I was scared about offending a couple of individuals that I have in my head. And so I just wouldn't say anything and I would hope that it would go away and it didn't go away. And I was also scared they'll leave because I would have to pick up the slack, Mm -hmm. but it was completely worth it to have to work a little extra hours and steer the company in the right direction, then allow it to keep happening. Yeah. And it's again, depending on how good of an actor your bad apple is, sometimes you don't realize what is actually going on because the story that they're painting for you or the picture they're painting for you is rosy and beautiful. And they identify challenges that you think, okay, I will help you through this. How do I remove this obstacle so that you can do what I need you to do? And they tell a really good story. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned, again, I'm I'm going to keep going back to these colored flags, When it's a yellow flag and you're telling yourself, it's not that big of a deal and I I guess I can manage this, I I can get by, or it it isn't as bad as other stores, or whatever story you're telling yourself to not have to have that conversation is what is going to continue to erode your entire team when you've got that bad apple. So those yellow flags, do not ignore the yellow flags, even when it's uncomfortable, because that yellow flag will turn red. It just will. That's why we see yellow flags. I want to go back to talking to them and facing the problem head on and worried that you're going to offend them. If they can't take proper criticism like an adult, then they shouldn't be in a leadership position and they probably shouldn't be working for you. Mm-hmm. They People have to take criticism and use it instead of going and... Yeah, to grow mm-hmm. instead of going and crying in a corner. Mm -hmm. or resenting you. All all these things happen. Again, you've got to weed out the ones that aren't team players and promote the ones that are. Yes. And and exactly what you're saying, team players. I think, and and you and I have had this conversation, this is your business, right? And I'm talking to our pet pros out there. This is your business. This is your baby. This is your blood, sweat, and tears. And you've established a brand. Your team needs to be team you. Your team needs to drink your Kool-Aid. You set the culture and you create the culture in your business. So if you've got a bad apple and the other apples see this bad apple getting away with bad behavior and nothing is being done about it, you are adjusting your culture. You are saying this is okay. It's okay if you want to slack off or it's okay if you want to tell me fibs. It's okay if you want to be disrespectful to my team members when I'm not there and then pretend like you're their best friend when I'm in the room. You're telling you're the rest of your team that's okay. And it's not. You have to set that that culture. You have to establish the culture for your business from out of the gate. 
And you have to continually mold and shape and nurture that culture. And everybody on your team has to drink that culture Kool-Aid and you pour those glasses. That is well said. That's well said, Carly. Culture (laughs) Kool-Aid. You should bottle that and sell it. I should. I should. Um. (laughs) It would be lime flavored, just so you know. (laughs) I want to elaborate on this just a little bit and say that sometimes, sometimes you don't realize that you're in this toxic relationship until after you get out of it. That's why we're talking about those yellow flags and you've really got to address them instead of ignoring them. And I know that's easier said than done, but once you get to a a big team, like what I've got, I've got 16 people. That's not big, but it's big. big. When a lot of stores, I would say single stores, which you are, a lot of stores, they might have three to six people. So 16 is a big team. And I've always heard the saying, your team isn't as strong as the weakest player. Did I say that right? Your your team is only (laughs) as strong as your weakest link. There you go. There you go. So identify the weakest link and really take a look at them and ask yourself, should they be here? Yeah. I was thinking to one of my uncomfortable conversations that I wasn't sure how to have. And the fact that I was so afraid that I was going to offend this person, but it was at the cost of my business that I wasn't having this conversation because I was afraid I was going to offend them. I have a brand established. We are, I have no problem saying it. We're a bougie little boutique. We have crystal chandeliers and we're bougie. So appearance is important. I do have it in my employee handbook. Now it goes further than just dress code. I have an expectation for what my team wears when they're in store. But I also, as an employer, I have the ability and I have the right to dictate what your professional appearance will look like in my store. So if that means that I don't want facial piercings, then that means you need to take them out of your face when you're on my floor. Or if I say that tattoos can't be visible, I don't say that because I have visible tattoos, but I'm using it as an example. If I said tattoos can't be visible, and I know that some companies do this, If you've got full length, like tattoo sleeves, then you're wearing a long sleeve shirt all of the time. If I say that your hair color has to be a natural hair color as an employer, I have the right to do that. Now, I don't want to take away from anybody's freedoms or how they want to present themselves personally, but I'm also safeguarding the health of my business. When I am outlining what I expect your professional appearance to be on my floor. And it needs to align with my brand because that's the brand that I built for my business. So you were talking about team players. And when a team player is like, hey, this is all about me. I don't care about you. Not so much a team player. And I I understand what you're talking about, but let's just throw an example out there. So what if you had a staff member that just didn't brush their hair? And it just looked like they woke up and they walked into your store. How do you have that conversation? It is in my employee handbook that long hair must be tied back. And I do that. It's my own personal issue. If I'm in a store and I see a human hair on a product, I will not touch that product. And I am definitely not buying it. One of my employees, and she's amazing. But she admits openly she sheds like a dog. And I'm like, you tie your hair back. Because we were unpacking a raw order 
as I was putting things into the freezer, I found three of her hairs on three different products. And I'm like, I would never buy this as a customer. So I do have a rule about long hair needs to be tied back. You're a taskmaster. Wow. (laughs) Human hairs. No, you cannot have that stuff on product. Listen, I, anybody who's met me knows that I am not about doing the hair. That was high school for me. I wouldn't leave the house without my hair being done. But now I'm like, eh. I guess my, most of my, my, my folks are pretty good with keeping themselves looking professional, but it's a good share. It's a good question, Sherry. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to throw it back at you. How do you address that? As nicely as possible out of the gate. And then if they don't rectify the problem, then you go through the disciplinary process. You can't beat around the bush. I'm not one to beat around the bush. I'll just go up to him and be like, hey, can you can you slick your hair back a little bit? Yeah. Look, I was thinking that all this brought to mind a story from when I was working at this fish store as a teenager. There was this employee that would come to work smelling like cat piss. Oy. And <laughs> because we're pretty sure he was just leaving his clothes on the floor. The cat would piss on it and then he would put it on and come to work and nobody wanted to stand around him. It was bad. It was so bad. And my manager at the time, none of the managers wanted to talk to him about it. <laughs> so I think they drew straws <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and one of them had to talk to him. And it, it worked. He didn't come back to work smelling like cat piss, but his clothes did look wrinkled as hell. But, but at least we weren't all smelling cat pee. <laughs> <laughs> and... Back then, maybe there weren't odor-eating candles and room sprays. That were, yeah. <laughs> you brought up a good point, too, the, the disciplinary process. And I, in my corporate lifetime, this was a thing in the corporate world. And just because you are a single independent store with maybe only three employees or whatever the number is, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have an employee disciplinary process that you would go through. Usually there are four steps. In my corporate world, the first step of the disciplinary process, actually, it was a makeshift step. The first one was called a fact-finding session. And in the fact-finding session, you were doing just that. You were finding out all the facts about what happened. So that that was just the preliminary step. From that fact-finding session, it was determined, you were gathering all of your facts, and it was then determined if you were going to the first step in the disciplinary process, which was a verbal warning. And so a verbal warning is just that. It can be, you know what, Sherry, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that you've come late four days this week. So I just want to let you know that this is your verbal warning that needs to change or we're going to go to the next step. And the next step is a written warning. And that written warning is essentially documenting what has happened since you've noticed the problem and putting that out on paper. And and then that goes in the HR file that Sherry got a written warning for being late. And you would then also include in your written warning that the verbal warning has been issued. In the corporate world, the third step was a suspension. If the behavior continued, it was a suspension. And it was a suspension without pay in the corporate world. And then of course, the fourth step was termination. Now I will guarantee you, 
that there are not many people that stick around for third and fourth steps. If you've already done a fact-finding session and you've provided a, a, a verbal warning and then you've got given a written warning, you're going to sit down to have that third meeting and it's a suspension if that's the way you decide to go that person probably isn't going to stick around. They're like, man, I have to be on time here. Why would I even keep coming here then? And they'll probably just leave on their own. But this, the steps, the disciplinary process steps cannot be a surprise. This should be documented. I was going to say the hair brushing, the not smelling like cat pee, all of those things are really good Your employee handbook is an evolving document. It's a living document. You don't, it's not a one and done. You don't write it and then go, that task is off my plate for the rest of my life. As things change, as your business evolves, as you hire different and more employees and come across these different issues, the employee handbook needs to be updated. But having a a tidy appearance or brushed hair or not smelling like cat pee or whatever you want to put in there, those can all be in there. But your disciplinary process should also be identified in your employee handbook, which is something that every brand new employee would go through on their first day. And you go through it with them and they sign off on it that, yes, I understand the things that I'm that is expected of me as an employee. And the disciplinary process should be in there. It's never supposed to be a surprise. And they're probably not going to remember all that stuff, but having it written down is key. And for years, I will say this, I'll admit it. We didn't really write people up because we felt like it was childish. And if you're going to write somebody up, they're on their, you're on your way to getting fired anyway. But You do need that documentation, especially if they file for unemployment. So we've organized everything now. Everybody has their own binder. If they show up late, even by three minutes, we will write it down with the date, whether they called ahead or not. They get their the verbal warning. We have two written warnings. And then Carly, you introduced me to something called a performance improvement plan. Mm -hmm. And I had actually never heard of that because I've never worked in corporate. But that's for somebody that you want to work on and probably keep. And so you really want to work with them, right? Yeah, like the, the performance improvement plan or PIP, because of course, my corporate world, everything was an acronym. But the PIP is, it, it can be used for one of two things. It can be used as a coaching tool, or it can be used as an exit tool. If you, and you could absolutely, you can build your own disciplinary process, whatever those steps are. And if the PIP becomes part of your process, it can be used as a coaching tool because you want to get this person back on track. Obviously, if they're like 90% amazing and 10% bad, we want to coach. On the other side, if they're 50% good and 50% bad, you may want to exit that employee from the company. And a PIP can be used for... Because you're going to put them on this PIP, which is essentially you are identifying what the expectations of the employee are. And then you have checkpoints. So a PIP is a lot of work because you have to go back. If you say, these are the expectations, and now we're going to meet weekly to ensure that you are meeting or exceeding these expectations, knowing full well, and the employee knows this as well, that if you are not meeting or exceeding, you only have three more weeks to get it because a PIP is usually implemented for a month. And so you're going to have four checkpoints. And if there is no improvement on that fourth week, the employee knows like their days are numbered. 
Yeah, no, uh, that talk you gave me when we first met was eye-opening. So I, I want to thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. I will just <laughs> be here to open your eyes. <laughs> I was going to say too, with regards to how your employee handbook evolves, I have made the mistakes of hiring the bad apples. I am not afraid to admit it. Everybody does it. I've hired some amazing people and then I've hired some duds. And one of my duds that I let go from the company came back and asked for a reference. And I was like, that's happened to me too. And I'm like, do you not remember what happened? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Do you want me to tell them the truth? Like why? I don't understand why you're asking for a reference. However, it was after that, that I modified my employee handbook, my living document that said, if you are at house of pause for more, pardon me, for less than six months, we will only confirm employment. Because if you're at house of pause for less than six months, I don't really have a good idea of how good or bad you really are. So I will confirm that you worked here. We also have in there that we don't have to provide any type of reference outside of confirming employment if we've ever had any issues on your employee file. So if there's any disciplinary, whether it's a fact finding or whether it's a, a verbal warning or a written warning, if there's anything on your file, my reference or my, if you're going to use me as a reference, I will confirm employment. So I don't know what the rules are in Canada versus versus the US, but I think we're, we are only allowed to say whether they were employed or not. I can't talk to somebody about the performance of the individual, no matter how long they work there. So that falls under the Privacy Act for us. And in my corporate days, I worked for a corporation that was federally regulated. And in there, it like with federal regulations and all of the privacy, that was the same thing for us. We could only confirm Yes, they worked for me. They were they held this position and they were in the job this long. Could not say good or bad. Couldn't say that they were a non-performer or a performer. Provincially, we have some different rules. Now, I have a beef. I have a beef with references on a resume anyways. Nobody, well, except for one bad apple that I hired, nobody is going to put somebody as a reference on their resume unless they're going to sing glowing reviews for them. They're going to go to the boss that hated me and said, hey, can I use you as a reference? I think references are an, an, a, you know, an antiquated step in a resume process anyways. But the point I was trying to make is, again, going back to the employee handbook, you absolutely, as these different things crop up in your business, update your employee handbook. My employee handbook always has updated on the date, right? Because I have had multiple versions since I opened over four years ago, multiple versions of my employee handbook. So I always update the date last updated on. And when I do that, I ensure that I notify all of my current staff that they need to go and they need to refresh themselves on the employee handbook. And I do have a sign-off sheet with my employee handbook that essentially is an acknowledgement that, yes, I read this and I agree to the expectations of me as an employee. So they sign off on that. We have that as well. Yeah. yeah. I don't have them re-sign off on it. I'm trying to figure out digitally how I can make that happen. So we do ours digitally now and we do it through Trainual. And Trainual is just a, a training platform that we use. 
but our employee handbook is a digital copy. And then the sign off page, and I don't make, they only sign off on it one time. And that goes in their employee file when they first start with House of Paws. But I do inform them when I've made changes to the handbook that they need to, I, so I can assign in Trainual, I can assign new added content. So when I update a, a module or a section of the employee handbook, I assign that to all of my current employees. And then it's not a test, but the test that they have to do to say that they read it is basically acknowledge that, yes, I read this. So that's, it's an electronic signature. That makes it convenient. Yes. Yes. There, I have opened your eyes once again. <laughs> no, I've definitely looked at Trainual and I'm exploring different platforms. But yeah, the, like apps and stuff for all this kind of thing, all these things are, are evolving and, and new ones are popping up all the time. So, and the episode, yeah, yeah. the episode is coming about chat GPT because I am really looking at chat GPT to start doing some of the heavy lifting with regards to my training program. So stay tuned. That is a great idea. Yes. 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 <laughs> all right. I like to sum up the takeaways. Here's my takeaways, Carly identify the issue, address the issue, protect your culture. I agree with you. And I think my biggest takeaways after having lived it is do not ignore those yellow flags. Trust your gut. When you have a feeling in your gut, and by the way, I hate the word gut, but I use it a lot in the store because we talk about gut health. But anyways, trust your gut because when something feels off or something feels wrong, or you just that feeling in your gut where you're like, this doesn't feel right. And when you go against it, you always learn to regret it. You always do. Every single time I have not trusted my gut and I've gone against my own gut instinct, I, I learned to regret it. So I, I completely agree. Same here. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So as business owners, I, I don't know that we give ourselves enough credit to realize that your gut will steer you in the right direction. I think back to when I was, oh, so many years ago, so young, I had read this book about gut instinct and all these kinds of things. And it talked about that, right? That when you don't trust your gut, you if you ask yourself just that really quick question, immediately your brain, your gut will give you the answer. So if it's like a yes, no question, should I do this? No, but you're like, ah, but I really want to you're going to do it and you're going to regret it because your initial gut reaction was, no, shouldn't be doing this. So as business owners, I think we need to trust our gut. And when you see those yellow flags, know for a fact, they will turn red if you don't address them, especially if you don't address them. But yellow flags are, are a warning sign and you need to be comfortable enough to have those conversations to either a Eliminate the yellow flag before it turns red or prevent it from ever turning red by having that conversation. I hope everyone listening got some inspiration to protect their culture and listen to their gut today. Mix up that culture Kool-Aid. Drink it up. The culture Kool-Aid, boys and girls. Culture Kool-Aid. All right, you guys. Hopefully this was helpful. And until next time, we're the Pet Shop Girls. Dropping value. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode, Pet Pro. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Just hit all the buttons. So you never miss the podcast that makes you sit, stay, and beg for more. The, the Pet, Pet Shop, Shop Girls. Girls.
Now go out there and fire somebody. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't fire your people. (laughs)